37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Happy New Year's. And I think above all else... We hope you guys are all hearing this episode and the world hasn't exploded. Because right now, Wednesday, January 5th, the entire world is facing peril. So let's just cut straight to it, shall we? An out-of-control Russian rocket is reportedly falling back to Earth and it should land somewhere Wednesday night on January the 5th. Satflare.com's Joseph Remus provided an update forecast of the Russian Angara A5 rocket's flight, which showed the rocket re-entering the Earth at approximately 10.56 p.m. Wednesday, January 5th. It's been reported previously that a prediction says that the rocket could be about 60 hours plus or minus outside that window on January 3rd which has since been changed to about a plus or minus 25 hours. So approximately 11 p.m. on the night of January 5th, over under 25 hours. Weatherboy.com notes that scientists have been able to provide several hours of advanced notice of the actual impact zone and time during past out-of-control rocket impacts, and they believe that this impact area should be about the same, even perhaps more refined. So... At least you should have a couple hours' notice before a rocket crashes into your city. The Angara rocket launched from the Plastic Cosmodrome on December 27th as part of its third test flight. Apparently, this rocket has had a nasty history of flubs. Now, this time around, the launch itself was successful. However, a third upper-stage rocket was unsuccessful in firing for its second time. The first fire initially helped the dummy payload being carried reach low Earth orbit. However, the second failed fire put the dummy payload into the geostationary orbit, which is leading to a 20-ton mass vessel crashing back down to Earth uncontrollably. The North American Aerospace Defense Command has numbered the out-of-control rocket as 50505 and reports it's currently in an orbit with a pedigree of about 100.8 miles on an Okapegi around 124 miles. Those are words that I have no idea what the fuck they mean. But otherwise, guys, hopefully you're listening and you're alive and you're enjoying episode 223. Wow. I know, no shit. Now, before we go any farther with the pleasantries, let's just continue with the last news story of the episode. Speaking of weird shit crashing down to Earth, apparently in Texarkana reported through local media, residents got the surprise of their lives when a thunderstorm recently blew through parts of the tri-state region that afternoon, and instead of dumping rain, tons of fish began falling from the sky. That's right, fish. While it might have been something that appeared out of a scene of an apocalyptic movie, the city of Texarkana assured residents that while it's rare, it's not unheard of for fish and other small aquatic creatures to fall out of the sky. Known as animal rain, this strange phenomenon that occurs when small water animals like frogs and crabs and small fish are swept up into water spouts or drafts that occur on the surface of the earth, they are then rained down at the same time as the rain. While it's uncommon, it happens, as evidence has proven, in several places in Texarkana. 
James Artish, who works at a used car dealership in the area, told the news that he and his co-worker Brad heard loud noises and looked outside just in time to see fish falling from the sky and peppering the used car lot and the cars. There was a loud crack of thunder, and then the whole sky opened up. We opened up the bay door, looked outside, and realized it's raining real hard. And fish were hitting the ground. And then I said, oh, it's raining fish. And Brad was like, no, it's not. And I'm like, no, really, it is. And then fucking fish are still, you know, smashing into Jeep Cherokees. It's raining men. Hallelujah, said Neptune. <laughs> the most recent report of incident animal rain happened in America back in 2017 when fish fell from the sky over an elementary school in Oroville, California. It's a unique event city officials hope doesn't happen again or project a bad year. Please, for the love of God and everything else holy and also unholy, let's tip two into 2022 as quietly as possible. Or it's the first sign of the plague. Who knows? But with that being said, welcome, everybody, to episode 223, our first official episode of 2022. And just like we promised back on episode 220, we're going to start a series of episodes, maybe the next two to three, about the strange subterranean topic of cave monsters. Now, before we go any farther, Presto, anything special? Any fun announcements you want to announce? Um, I'm I'm making wine stoppers on my wood lathe now. Um, Ooh, I got, aren't you fancy? Yeah, I got I got back into that hobby. I I had all these wood laves like in the garage, and you know I've been cleaning out the garage and you know making. Uh-huh. Making room for like the remodel and some of the some of the lathes weren't working and so then I was like, man, I, I feel kind of bad because you know Dad knew how much I loved wood turning uh, when I was younger, so mm-hmm. I you know splurged on myself for Christmas and bought a bunch of shit mm-hmm. on Amazon and um, you know got on YouTube and started looking up videos and now I'm like fuck yeah I'm gonna turn some wine stoppers and some wooden bowls and um, yeah that's how I'm ringing in 2022 baby <laughs> hell yeah man that's fantastic well what's pretty cool about tonight's episode is that originally we had planned just to toss in a handful of weird creatures and have this royal rumble of sorts about cave monsters. But when you said, presto, that you found a pretty cool story, you found something with enough meat and taters, as you call it, to fit into a whole episode. So let's not waste any more time, presto. Why don't you take the wheel and kick off Shark Week, or whatever the hell we're going to call this, being our first Hawaiian-themed episode? Look, I'm going to start off by saying it's hard these days to find anything I want on a given topic. Like... Cave monster stories. All right, let's get on Google. Tippity tippity tappity tappity, and I do a simple Google search, and then boom, I'm hit with a thousand and one fucking results on some video game and a walkthrough on how to get the best monsters in the video game because it has you know whatever to do with like cave monsters, like the algorithm on Google, like that's the best. No motherfucker, I don't want to know about a video game. I want to know about real life, you know, cave monsters. But don't worry. You know, after sticking with it for an hour or two and then, you know, being on the toilet for maybe like 30, 40 minutes and really that's, that's where I do I do my best uh, research and thinking. Tonight, dear listeners. While your pension went off. Yeah. <laughs> I bring you the Cave of Wonder. 
Not really. It's more like the cave of death. So, you know, what better way to start <laughs> off 2022 than a little death, right? There we go, buddy. So now, because of you tonight, I'm not going to screw up uh, these pronunciations. Makua Cave is over 100 feet tall and 450 feet deep. It's like throwing a hot dog down a demonic hallway. And all jokes aside, <laughs> this 150,000-year-old cave was once underwater and was carved out by crashing waves of the Pacific Ocean. A truly mysterious site, this cave is located on Awua Leeward's coast, north of Wanae. Oahu. Uh, what? Oahu? It's Oahu. Fuck. You should have put the pronunciation uh, on that one. You I bastards. I thought you could pronounce a fucking island that we learned about in the first grade. Probably. Yeah, I just, you know. Oahu. Yeah. Oahu's <laughs> leeward coast. Yeah. Ua. North of uh, Wanae, near the uh, Farrington Highway off... Uh, Fuck, I don't know. Kaina Point. Kaina. Kaina. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> according to the legend, the Kane Ona. Is that what we were going to say? That sounds good, yeah. Yeah. Kane Oa. Kane Oa Cave is uh, home to the underground shark god uh, Nanawe, son of Kamahoale'e. Or, uh, you know, the King of Sharks. Or, if yeah. you've seen, uh, 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 shit, uh, Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. That's fucking Sylvester Stallone's character right there. That's the King of Sharks, man. Anyways, <laughs> uh, the most sacred brother of the fire goddess Pele, uh, Nanawe, has an appetite for human flesh and uh, disguised himself as a man to trick humans, you dirty little bastard. It is said that uh, weary travelers visiting uh, Makua Cave at night are sometimes invited to join an old wrinkled Hawaiian guy uh, tending to uh, meat sizzling over a fire. And as the tired traveler becomes lethargic from eating the meat, the old man transforms into a shark and then BAM! Eats him and leaves the body to rot for three weeks. And, uh, you know, because uh, you got to add a little bit marbling to it to get the best flavor. And so, you know, you don't. <laughs> Sometimes you got to age the meat, right? Yeah, you got to age the meat a little bit. So, Makua Cave is supposedly an active hotspot for spirits of those who died there. This haunted Wa'anane, I don't know, fuck it, site has become a repository <laughs> for psychic energy, uh, says storyteller. I'm not going to be able to do this one either. Lopaka Kapune. <laughs> Kapanui. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Kapanui. Hey, my fault. I didn't go through and I guess uh, phonetically sound out all these names. But, well, you know, you're probably going about, you know, 50-50 right now. I'm Dude, those are, those are pretty good odds. Like, we're already a step up yeah. from 2021 and 2022. Hell yeah. The bar is set real high. Yeah. And, you know, in your defense, like you mentioned earlier, you type in sometimes on Google, like, oh, cave monsters in Hawaii, and you get, like, the dumbest shit, like, video game walkthroughs. I was going on YouTube trying to find videos of Hawaiian folklore to learn how to pronounce some of these people's names and some of these creatures' names. And I swear to God, every time you type in Nanawe into YouTube, all you get is video breakdowns of the new Suicide Squad movie or comic book histories, and basically it's everything to do with DC Comics. So, you know, hats off to you, buddy, because I felt the same sting as I'm trying to do my end of the research. You know, I feel like you know, back in, like, 1993 when the Internet first came out and we were children, 
you know, all those algorithms weren't like built in. So you would type in yeah. Bigfoot and it was so simple. Like it would pull up a website of Bigfoot. Like it wasn't, oh, you know, is there a Bigfoot game? Is there, a, oh no, it's the Bigfoot movie. That's what they want. It's like, no, I just want fucking stories <laughs> of Bigfoot. Quit making it so difficult, right. Google. Quit trying to sell me shit about crap that I don't want. No, just give me Bigfoot. Give me the fucking shark god. That's all I want. Do you remember the good old days when all you had to worry about is erasing your internet search history before your parents got home? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Why the fuck is this titty time. taking so long to load? Please, Mom, don't <laughs> knock on the door. <laughs> Busy! Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. There are many legends that feature this cave. One says it was in this cave that mankind was born from the womb of the Earth Goddess. That's actually how this cave got its name. Kanayana translates to the Cave of Cain, the god of creation. It is also said that Kahuna priests also perform rituals within the cave's inner chambers, and it is believed that the souls of deceased chiefs haunt the cave to this day. There are countless accounts of paranormal sightings and unsettling events taking place in this cave, including the alleged disposal of murder uh, victims during the early 1900s, and this cave is one of the most haunted places in Hawaii. Fuck yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. s- since uh, further searching left me high and dry, I did stumble upon this gym. Kaneua Cave, Makua Cave, History and Personal Experience by Joe Panohu. Today, the souls of those who died here are said to haunt the area. And according to local storyteller, Kaneua <laughs> Cave is a repository Cave is a repository for psychic energy. I had the honor of meeting extraordinary people who see things from a different perspective. People who have many types of extrasensory gifts, aka psychics. Not like Teresa Caputo, but the real deal. One of them. <laughs> was a man from here, but long since uh, transplanted to the mainland. I should have been transported, but we'll let that one slide. He was <laughs> uh, staying at the Marriott Resort up on the road. One night on tour, he asked me about the cave, having visited it, it earlier in his brief return home. He explored it partly and tells me that in the beginning of the cave, there was a lot of death. And the ghosts of those who had died there still linger. Something I heard a while back from a friend comes to mind. Rumor is that there was a car pushed in to the beginning of the cave and lit on fire. The two people tied up and it burnt to death. And uh, one of the most, and is one of the most horrific ways to die. Another account I remember hearing from a Kapuna, whom in hushed words told me about the Hawaiian mafia and how in the early 1900s they would use the cave to dispose of the bodies or murdered people. Yeah, that's I looked into that a little bit, and that's like one of the biggest unsolved mysteries of Hawaii is just the fact that a lot of these bodies were just being disposed in this cave. Kind of like the uh, the neighborhood that I live in, it was an old orchard, and that's where the mafia used to bury a lot of the people they executed in Wichita. Basically, this was a dumping cave. Oh, The transported local also tells me that when he got close to the back of the cave, it was like walking through a barrier. 
a very powerful barrier that made his hair stand on end when he passed to the other side. He tells me that the barrier was constructed a very long time ago from people that had long since passed from this realm. It was put there to keep pure evil out of this world, a bit like a barrier blocking the way of the very maw of the inferno known as hell. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's when my chicken skin got chicken skin. At that time, <laughs> he told me this. A spark ignited in the back of my mind. I remembered something that happened to me there in that cave years ago. Something that I had forced myself to forget, to keep my sanity. The mind is an interesting thing. Locking things away that, at the time, I, I do not have the tools or experience to deal with. I remember a sliver of events of that night. I almost lost my mind to fear itself, the night I went into the depths of Kaneoa. It must have been sometime between 1999 and 2001. We were just out of high school and straight out of Compton. Had wheels and felt like we were free to go anywhere we wanted. We tackled the west side, seeing how we were from Kaneoa and never made it that far before. We got to the cave on the highway right before the the ends at Yokohama's, about 4 p.m., maybe later. We decided to explore the cave on the side of the road, having heard that it was haunted. It was the perfect place to check out, especially in the daylight hours. Upon entering the cave, there were a few other people in there as well. Tourists, I believe, snapping pictures all over the place. Though, from what I noticed, they stayed at the front of the cave where the sunlight still touched, not venturing farther into the back. Pussies. <laughs> the sound coming out of the back of the cave, let me tell you, instant chicken skin. An echo of wind no. blowing. From... <laughs> that, uh, that phrase, chicken skin, if nobody knows what that means, that means goosebumps. Yeah, but Hawaiian style. Yeah, chicken skin. An echo of wind blowing from the back of the cave out to the front, coming every few seconds and leaving in silence, whistling off the crevices in the rock, making a horrible, mournful sound. Felt like to me that the cave was breathing, like we were in the mouth of a huge, ancient being waiting to be swallowed whole. We pushed the chicken skin past. After all, we have to prove to the tourists that us locals don't fear the dark, like them, pussies. We venture further into the cave, looking the whole time and wondering at where the back of the cave is. We go three different routes to the back of the cave each time. The ceilings get lower and lower and lower. Until you think you're going to see the absolute end of the passage, you get down on your knees and look just to find that it continues down in a space sometimes small enough for you just to barely crawl through. Now, curiosity takes over from fear. These are lava tubes. How far back do they go? Well, we explored a little bit and decided that it would be a much better idea to come back with more people. And as we're impatient, we decide to call some more friends to meet us here and we'll explore the cave tonight. Two other buddies are crazy enough to accept the invitation. A few hours later, we're eating dinner in Makaha. Talking about the cave, stories we've heard, and what and how we were going, going to do it. I recall a legend I was told a long time ago. Not remembering all of it, though, I remember the main part. 
There was some kind of shark god in the cave. He had a shark mouth tattoo on his back, and when he got older, he developed a taste for human flesh. He would stand outside of the cave overlooking the beach, and on hot, dry days, he would entice travelers to uh, take a quick swim to cool off. As the travelers would take a dip in the beautiful ocean, this man would turn around, walk into the cave, making his way deeper and deeper towards the bowels of the cave, where the ocean met the cave, forming a, a, forming a sea cave. This shapeshifter would then dive into the water, turning into a shark, and devour the swimmer's hole. Then he would hike back to the cave entrance and stand watch again, waiting for the next snack. We really had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, but we tried to plan for the best. Our goal that night was to see if indeed this cave is where the ocean, you know, comes up into it. If so, then there, this might be the very, uh, the very cave of the infamous shark god known as Nanaway. We returned to the cave at midnight, having parked in the parking lot across the street for almost a good hour. Working up enough courage to enter the cave that now seemed to grow infinitely more terrifying in the dark. We had brought some water, food, and some rope. Can't say we weren't prepared, we just weren't prepared the right way. As uh, we enter the cave, we push back the, the chill that greets us. Not a chill that touches the skin, but one that goes deeper. Deep, deep, deep into the bones and the marrow. Literally chilling you to the depths of your soul. We take one of the paths and we start our way down, bending over and crawling where we needed to. We realized too late, just minutes into the adventure, what we had forgotten. The first thing that comes to mind is elbow and knee pads, seeing as how we're crawling on our knees and hands at the moment. The second thing we had forgotten was tie leaves, though we had noticed someone was nice enough to leave tie leaves right at the entrance of the tunnel for us. And it wasn't until we left that we remembered the tie leaves were crossed like an X, representing a symbol of salvation, a warning or protective measure put at the entrance to one of the lava tubes in a symbolic gesture. Hmm, what the hell were we thinking? Anyways, we crawled down maybe a good 30, 45 minutes. No water, nothing. We seemed to be going downwards pretty steadily, and we were wondering how we didn't reach the water yet. The beach is across the street, and we must have be well below sea level by now. I hear some murmurs behind me. My my friends are no longer as enthusiastic as when we had first formed this idea. I myself just wanted to get out of there, starting to feel the first t tingles of claustrophobia, realizing that we were now under hundreds of tons of rocks, and uh, we were in an area so tight we were forced to crawl on our hands and knees, banging the tops of our heads until blood started to trickle into our eyes. It wasn't uh, a very relaxing realization, and I, I found myself trying much harder than before to steady my breathing. As we uh, start to agree to turn around and head back to the cars, I, I noticed something in front of us. Yes, I was the idiot that decided to go first. It looked like an opening, maybe 40 feet away or, or so, a place where we could stand up and walk around. I tell my friends, and we agree to cross the, the distance and see if that is the place where the water touches the cave. And if that wasn't, we would turn around and go back. 
I started closing the 40-foot gap between us and our destination, and but closing the space somewhat slowly. We we got perhaps, you know, 10 feet, and with my flashlight held down uh, towards our goal, when something 30 feet in front of us walks directly and deliberately across the beam of the flashlight from right to left, illuminating whatever it was for a brief second. Chicken skin, and I instantly freeze. The first thought in my head is that this is a homeless guy, though I can't quite put my finger on it. Something about it did seem very, very wrong. Tell my friends what I just saw and mention it might be a homeless guy. So we all bunch up and wait for for it to walk across the other way. I had almost all the weight of three people on me and a head over my left shoulder, a head over my right shoulder and a head over my head as I lay on the ground, with the flashlight shining back down the cave where I saw the figure, we settle in and wait for two long minutes. We weren't disappointed. After two minutes, the figure walks from left to right now, slowly and deliberately, allowing us a few precious seconds to see in full detail what the fuck this thing was. It was then that we realized that it wasn't a human, let alone an apparition of one. As it slowly walked by, we see rough skin, the texture of scabs, and besides arms, which barely resembled arms and legs, nothing else looked human. We paused for a few seconds, absorbing what we just saw. Then we all started to scramble back up the way we came. Unfortunately, I've always been the type to keep my cool when it's called for. Knowing that as far in as the cave as we were, There is nothing to be gained by panicking and losing my mind. I struggle to keep the raw fear in check. My friends scramble in front of me, leaving me in the back as we crawl back up as fast as we can, not even noticing the pain that the rocks and the lava tubes are causing us and the blood caking our legs and arms and running down our faces and from banging our heads into the ceiling. It took us five minutes to clear the cave. But we were motivated, not only from the fear of what we had just seen, but the sounds and the noises that seemed to float towards us above the sounds of our scrambling. It was the sound of something behind me, clawing on the rocks in a desperate struggle to reach us before we reached the end of the cave. It was a terrifying sound of pursuit. I need to pause here for a cigarette break. Because just recalling the feeling of that moment... I can no longer type this. Did you just or, breathe out of vapor? I did. Dude, Jesus. this is terrifying. I'm recalling this moment in my life where I was scared. <laughs> Leave me alone. I need the nicotine. Anyways, I can no longer tell this story without a break, uh, fresh air, and sunlight. Thank you, Obic Hunter, for calling to talk story and giving me a slight break from this memory. As we got to the part of the cave where we could stand and run, we did so. One of my friends stepped into the hole and went down, twisting and breaking his ankle, so we had to stop and help him out. As we broke through the entrance of the cave, back into the surrounding darkness of the night and the fresh air, we break for our cars across the street. I get into mine with my friend, and I notice in horror that the car battery is completely dead. Against better judgment, I decided to leave my car there and catch a ride with my friend before they leave us stranded there. We run to my friend's car and pound on the window until he unlocks it. Then we all just pile into it, and we realize that car's dead too. Then we start yelling at each other, pointing fingers. Whose idea was this? What did I ever do to you? 
What are you trying to do? You kill us? And on and on and on for a few minutes. Then something shifted around us. All at once, we stopped yelling mid-sentence and turned around to face the cave entrance. As we look into the direction, something moves. The hobo. A second later, the clouds below away, uh, a second later, the clouds blow away from the sky, revealing a perfect moon that casts its illumination on every branch and twig and rock, and it also fully reveals to us the source of the movement. We watch as the figure emerges from the cave, shambling towards us in the car that refuses to work. This form stands maybe three to four feet tall, sort of hunched over onto itself. No neck. Instead of getting smaller where the neck forms, it gets wider. As the head seems to fuse itself onto the broad shoulders, we see a glint of red glowing where its eyes should be, like smoldering coals with just a spark of fire left in them. The body is not covered in skin, but entirely in scabs. The figure continues to limp towards us. Clear now of the cave, walking past the rocks, walking onto the very road itself, coming straight for us in the car. Then the figure comes to a dead stop, directly in the middle of the road, as if it can't pass the center line of the highway. It glares at us for a few more seconds with those horrible red eyes, then turns back and staggers again towards the cave. We were in shock for several minutes before one of us decides to even move a muscle. A little while later, my friend's car starts up, and when it's apparent that the thing is not coming back for us, I move my way to my car to find that it too starts out uh, up without a problem. We drive home in silence. None of us would speak of this incident, and I swear by the time I got home, it had conveniently shut itself away in my mind and locked itself into a vault that would not be open for years to come, until one night on the tour when the bus breaks down and we're talking ghost stories in the Manoa Chinese Cemetery, waiting for the vans to come back and shuttle us to safety. A local boy from Makaha asked me if I have a story about the Makua Cave. The vault swings open again and the memories come rushing back. I smile and I tell him that I had experienced what I had experienced there, but I don't trust my memory to retell it just yet. So passionately, he starts telling me his own experience at the cave about the night when he and some buddies were hanging out and when something that looked like the thing covered in scabs with glowing red eyes came from the lava tubes chasing them from the cave into the parking lot to where their cars wouldn't start for a long time. Jesus, man. That came from Joe Punohu's uh, actual Facebook, and it's become a well-known story now through uh, folklore and myths and paranormal websites alike. And he does like uh, haunted Hawaii and does like tours and stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the common phrase has always been through like paranormal research is you know, there's a lot of spiritual stuff on the island, but there's never been any cases of you know Bigfoot on Hawaii. And I think that that's fine. Like you don't need to have a Bigfoot, you know, to be a creepy ass place. And this just proves that just yeah. Nanaway is fucking nutty as shit by itself. Yeah, you don't need Bigfoot when you got a fucking creature with glowing red eyes and covered in pus scabs <laughs> coming at you. So um, you mentioned the kid from Makaha asking, you know, Joe, if he had any stories about the uh, uh, the cave. There's actual um, folklore that goes back into the Makaha part of the island or the island of Makaha or the village or what, what have you, 
where their people, you know, way back when, would cut off the heads of villagers and throw them in the waters of the cave to sacrifice them to Nanaway. And yeah. then, you know, as years would pass, late at night when they would be, um, you know, wrangling all of their cattle, they'd look over and see the headless bodies of the uh, the ghosts of the people they killed wandering through the open areas where they were trying to ranch their cattle. And recently uh, there was a, a double homicide in like 2013 in front of the cave, and then a, a boy went missing in 1992 or 1991. So there's oh, wow. co- constantly all sorts of bad shit, uh, you know, happening around that cave. Jesus. But that the whole murder and the and the disappearance that's not really paranormal. So I'm like, yeah, we won't talk about that. You know, let's, <laughs> let's get to the scabby red eye monster. That's where the that's where the gold is. Yeah, that's just uh, the murder and stuff's just unfortunately just sad and happens everywhere. But yeah, I want to know more about the scabby monster, man. Because is that non away or is that something completely different? Yeah, was it like you know Bigfoot and- with leprosy? <laughs> I mean, the world may never know. Leprosy foot. Oh. Well, speaking of old Nanaway, I went ahead and did some research on the history behind him because I thought it's not, it's not a cryptid per se because this goes way far past that. This is more of, you know, a god of sorts. So the story of just who the heck Nanaway is starts a long time ago on the big island of Hawaii where there lived a gorgeous young woman by the name of Kale. Now, Kale lived in Waipio Valley, I'm sure I mispronounced that, of course. <laughs> Each night, Calais would walk down by the waters of the mouth of the valley to bathe in the sea. One night, Kamaho Alili, the king of all sharks, was in the region and was swimming just below the surface of the waters where Calais had been bathing. Now, under the shimmering moonlight, she disrobed, slipped into a birthday suit, and dove into the warm, warm waters, just as she did every night. Well, Kamaho Alii saw Kale. I see why you had so much trouble with this shit earlier. <laughs> <laughs> the king of the sharks saw Kale and was entranced by her unique beauty. As a shapeshifter, he resolved that by the next night he would take form in his human form as the chief and search all the land for the beautiful, mysterious woman. And he did as he planned, and he found the woman, and after a few days, they began courting and they fell in love, and soon after that, they married. Now, over time, Calais became pregnant with the uh, Shark King's child. And before the child was to be born, the Shark King knew that this was his time, and it was time for him to return to the sea. What a bastard. He never revealed his true identity to Calais, but instead, he instructed that she give birth alone and to watch over the child, who was to be a son. And not ask for child support. That's not my gig. I'm going back to the ocean. You're on your own. (laughs) The joke about sand dollars there. We're not going to make it. (laughs) And, And she had to make the promise to never allow the baby to eat the flesh of any animal. And reluctantly, he left Calais, whom then had come to love and respect the ocean dearly. The new lovers never saw each other again. On a dark night, as the island winds whipped ferociously through the valley, beautiful Calais gave birth to the Shark King's son. She was afraid and saddened when she saw the baby was born with a malformity on his back. The boy had a large opening hole that resembled that of the gaping mouth of a fish in the middle of his back. She wrapped the baby up in a thin blanket of tapa cloth 
to hide the deformity from the others in the village. That night she cried as she rocked her newborn son, for he was as beautiful as she was, besides this disturbing deformity. And she named this child the son of the god of the sharks, the son of the king of the sharks, Nanaway. As the child grew older, she kept him away from meat, just as the shark king had instructed her, but she could not protect him for long. Back in the ancient times, men and women were not allowed to eat together, even mothers and their sons, fathers and their daughters. When the child became of age, his grandfather took him to eat with the men, and thus he was fed meat for the first time, and soon developed a voracious and insatiable appetite for the flesh of animals. And as he ate more and more meat, the gaping mouth on his back began to grow rows of razor-sharp, vicious teeth. After that day, when Calais took her son to bathe in the stream, she watched in horror and fascination both as he took the form of a young shark. He would swim and play in the waters amongst the fish in his shark form, chasing and eating smaller creatures that lived in the stream. As the child grew into a man, Nanoe also grew as a shark. After he'd swim in the ocean, people would go missing. A great shark would come out of the water and tear the fellow swimmers limb from limb, the water growing red. The people of Waipio Valley became suspicious. Why was Nanoe never harmed in the ocean? They began to suspect that he had some special power, but they did not know yet what it was that it was actually he killing his friends while in shark form. You guys ever noticed that Nanaway and that big old shark are never seen in the same room at the same time? Then you cut over to J. Jonah Jameson, slamming his fist on a desk. Why is he always uh, salivating when he's looking at us? Uh, you think he's thinking about how good we <laughs> taste? God damn it, Nanaway, stop it. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> he's licking me. One day, the villagers discovered the great mouth on Nanaway's back. And then all the clues came together that he was indeed the one causing all the deaths in their otherwise peaceful waters. And just like any other Frankenstein story, the villagers were soon very angry and decided to capture and kill Nanaway. As they approached Nanaway, preparing to lynch him and throw his body into the sea, he changed into shark form and escaped. Then Nanawe swam to the Hana side of the island of Maui. There he took the form of a man. He also married a chiefess while on Maui and tried to hold back his desire for human flesh, but unfortunately, this didn't succeed. One night his hunger took hold of him and he kidnapped a young girl, running to the ocean, changing into a shark and devouring her in plain sight of all those living in his village. The people of Maui, too, were outraged just as the previous village. They tried their best to spear Nana away from their canoes, but he swam quickly towards Molokai. Once again, after he had reached the island of Molokai, Nanaway tried to keep his true nature a secret, but as he grew older, his hunger not only got stronger, but by this time tales of a dangerous shark man were beginning to circulate through the islands of Hawaii. The Molokai people kept lookout for a strange man, shaped like a shark. Finally, they saw Nanawe shape-shifting one evening as he dove into the sea, as he thought nobody was watching. 
They snared him while in shark form and beat him with clubs until the ocean ran red with his blood. The people chanted continuously until Nanawe became very weak. His shark body was drugged ashore where he was chopped into pieces and then incinerated in a large oven, and thus died Nanawe, son of the king of sharks. Some still believe nowadays that Nanawe still occupies the cave, and that's why you'll see so many food offerings left there. Sometimes fruit or meat and even rotting fish will be left on display in the opening of the cave. It's said that if you see an old, wrinkled Hawaiian man trying to lure you into the cave or otherwise cooking and eating meat near the opening of the cave, it could actually be Nanawe. In general, if anyone's trying to lure you away, it's likely your best interest would be to not stick around and instead find out who they are or what their intentions may be. And on top of the myth of Nanawe, the shape-shifting shark man, there's also the myth of the dead that haunt this cave. All the deaths over all the years of beheadings and mafia killings and the victims of Nanawe himself are said to skulk about the cave itself. Reports often include seeing dark, shadowy figures in the cave, as well as hearing the voices of children echoing into the lava tubes. <laughs> Almost Damn. a cryptid encounter, but uh, we're going to yeah. give Mr. Nanawe a little more respect than that. Yeah. Well, I'll be damned, buddy. That was a good, good story, and I'm glad I didn't try to tack on anything else to the end of that one, because that was a lot. A lot of mispronunciation. <laughs> Shit. Boy, howdy. We are keeping true to form. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say, buddy, we pack it in and shut her down. What do you think? Yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Thanks for joining us on the first episode of 2022. Thanks for all the new followers on the old Instagram. By God, we did it. We hit 500 followers on Instagram before New Year's Eve. Hell I was yeah. pretty damn impressed. Very thankful. 500 on Instagram, 155 on YouTube. Hell yeah, buddy. We are just slowly but surely climbing the charts. Yeah. Now, again, we want to thank you guys all for listening, and we'd like to please ask, if you're on the old iTunes or Apple Podcast or on Spotify, could you please leave us a rating and a review? Now, Spotify, you only get to leave just a rating, one to five stars. On iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating of up to five stars, and also a comment if you'd be so bold, we sure would appreciate it. It lets us know what we're doing right, and by God, what the heck we should change. And if you're listening on YouTube... Like, subscribe, share, and drop us a comment as well. Yeah, yeah, tell your friends. We'd love to uh, continue to grow bigger and bigger as the years go by. And right now on Facebook, my God, Facebook is just fucking climbing up. We've got 357 likes now, 379 total follows. Hot diggity dog. We sure appreciate it, everybody. And like we said earlier, the social medias. Check us out on Instagram, PXL Paranormal, on Facebook at the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast, and presto on YouTube. Are we the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast? We are. Indeed, we are. Awesome. It's kind of cool. I'm scrolling through just random feeds now, and we've been popping up as little, like, uh, advertisements for my algorithm, probably because I look at so much weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome. All right, Presto, what do you got for us, man? And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, hell, 
If you want to look like a sexy half-man, half-shark and sound like, you know, Sylvester Stallone, then go over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA and get 20% off your order. And uh, pick yourself up some scents like Bay Rum, because that will make you feel like a man-shark. Sweet tobacco, Mm -hmm. fresh, citrus, classic mint. Get it all. Get it at Dobbs. Hell yeah. And if you're in the Wichita area, please dive on down to Pawnee and Seneca and check out our friend Leslie and the rest of the gang over at CD Trade Post. All right, that concludes part one of our Cave Monsters series. Join us next time as we talk about more (gasps) creepy things in caves. Until next time, on behalf of Steve, I'd like to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.